We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void or prohibited. Wire NBA podcast. It is Monday, October 31st, also known as Halloween. Uh, I did not partake, DJ Trainer, in uh, in much Halloween uh, festivities, I guess, this past weekend. Uh, went out a little bit in Madison, but I did not dress up, uh, for which I received a little bit of heat on Friday. Uh, I weathered it, though, you know, took the criticism uh, in stride. And the nice thing was being in Madison, uh, there was a football game on Saturday night. The Poor old Nebraska Cornhuskers came to town and uh, took their lumps from the Wisconsin Badgers in OT, uh, and that guy kind of got me off the hook for wearing a costume. I could just wear Badger gear instead, so that was really nice. Um, basically, I've done a couple podcasts here at RotoWire today, and I've just kind of kept harping on how much I don't like dressing up. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, uh, I've got a few years on record to suggest the exact same thing. 
you can call me lame. I'm usually just like throw on whatever jersey is closest to me within my closet. So, and maybe you know, like if I'm really feeling festive, I'll throw on like a headband, like a Nike headband or something like that. Um, but that's when I get crazy. I mean, that's when I'm trying to impress people and stuff. So usually I just, you know, it's cold here in Wisconsin. It, it wasn't so much this, this weekend, but um, I, I don't know. There's still time. I mean, it is Halloween right now. We're, we're recording this in the afternoon. You and I could go to Walmart. We could... Yeah. SpongeBob, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Walmart is not paying us to say that, by the Trolls. way. Trolls. I, I don't know. I think. Uh, no, I see. If I do dress up, and when I have dressed up in the past, it's been sports exclusively. Exclusive. Uh, I was the rapper Tyler the Creator one time during college. How do you? What you just wear long socks and Vans? And yeah, uh, actually, yeah, both those things. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of a crazy printed uh, short sleeve button down shirt. Oh, as, sure. uh You know, as Tyler was known to wear, uh, you know, a hat. Uh, but you know, there are some glaring differences between he and I that that made the costume a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty much been sports jerseys. Uh, for my entire life. So a lot of Jaguars jerseys. Uh, I, I, my sister actually sent me a photo this morning from us in you know elementary school of me in a Jerome Bettis Steelers jersey with a Steelers carved pumpkin behind me. I guess I had forgotten that at one point I was a big Steelers fan for about six months. I'm looking um, at this picture right now, and you have the helmet to go with it. Right. But the face mask basically is up by your eyes, which is an interesting, well, okay, I was interesting like seven, choice. So... Um, so Sorry, I didn't have an accurate face mask. <laughs> so, at what point did you turn into a Jags? <laughs> I don't know. That's, I mean, you, that the picture was taken. There's a little tagline in Appleton, Wisconsin, which yeah. is like, not only did you forego Green Bay stuff, right. but you, you, I mean, you went to Pittsburgh and then to Jaguars. I mean, right. you were the true white buffalo in the Fox Valley. Yeah, Fox yeah. Valley being the area of where Green Bay is, because I'm hoping that nobody else knows that right. besides you and I. No, yeah, I took you know, I took some time to uh, you know really find myself as a football fan, but you know I settled on the Jaguars and I've I've kind of made my bed there. It's it's not working out very well. Did you know that this is an NBA podcast? Yeah, let's talk about the NBA. Let's do um, it. We're going to talk about you know we're basically a weekend, six days into the regular season. It has been awesome to have basketball back every night. I like for a while there, I just kind of forgot that. It was, you know, super great to just turn on the TV and, like, if there's nothing else on, you can just throw on, like, Hawks, Kings yeah. and be like, you know what, this is better than anything else that's on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the World Series is still going on. You know, college football, NFL is all great. But for those, like, Tuesday, Wednesday nights now when there's nothing else going on, like, this is going to be ideal and this is the best, you know, eight months of the year when the NBA season is going. But tonight, Halloween night, happens to be at midnight, the deadline for – contract extensions most notably the 2013 draft class uh this is the final day uh, at least in this period i guess of the nba calendar where players can sign extensions so gobert finalizing a what sounds about 101 million dollar four-year extension with utah stephen adams victor oladipo both finalizing uh four-year deals with okc so that you know that crop of guys Giannis had already worked his out with milwaukee uh, earlier this offseason so Mason Plumlee, I believe, said that he doesn't believe he's going to reach an extension with Portland. It is important to remember that this doesn't mean that Mason Plumlee is not returning to Portland. It just means that they are going to address this in the offseason. So quickly, Rudy Gobert and Steven Adams are signing essentially the exact same contract. Um, $1 million, whatever, over four years. doesn't really matter. Do you think that these two players are comparable in terms of being worth essentially 
$25 million each year. And don't, I don't care about the inflation and all that stuff. The, the new market value says they are. But do you think these two players should be receiving the same amount of money? Are they doing the exact same thing for each of their teams? My initial answer is no, but I have heard people out there say that Steven Adams is one of the best centers, like arguably one of the best centers yeah. out there. And so, I, I mean, maybe the tide is turning faster on Adams because Rudy Gobert initially off the bat to me, I just assumed he'd be making quite a bit more money than Adams. I don't know. I mean, I think this is just kind of the market, you know, with these extensions. Um, that's just kind of how it works with the CBA. You know, you, you want to get this signed now, I think, as a you know security. These, these guys are both playing on rookie deals. So, I mean, they're basically – and this won't kick in, of course, until after the season. So, you know, this – Twenty-five million a year is his salary starting for seventeen, eighteen. But I mean, you're looking at what is that? You know, tenfold basically of what those guys are making right now. Uh, maybe a little bit less than that. So I think that's fair. Um, you know, comparing Gobert and Adams, it's difficult. But you know, I mean, they they seem to kind of be on the same trajectory as far as you know, solid for sure starting center for this franchise going forward in both cases. Uh, Gobert, I guess, maybe a little bit more dynamic in that you know he's shown that he could be maybe the best defender and best shot blocker in the entire league. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, for him, maybe the ceiling's a little bit higher, but I think Oklahoma city, what they, what they saw to Steven Adams in the playoffs was enough to convince them that this is their guy going forward. And they, I think they probably view him in the same light that, that Utah views Gobert. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I just, I think the, you know, I don't know. Steven Adams really came into um, prominence at the end of last year, whereas Rudy Gobert, Minus some injuries, you know, a lot of people considered him to be already be one of the better setters, and I'm and talking legitimately, not where you know some analytic people think that Adams might be one of the better centers. Um, so I was a little surprised to see that, but nevertheless, the the basic argument is there. These guys are going to be the staple center position for these franchises moving forward. Apparently, right today, uh, the market value for that is twenty five million dollars mm-hmm. for being you know a top third center in the league at least. Victor Oladipo is an interesting one to me. Like I guess I was assuming this was going to happen, but. Um, um, I don't know if I was hoping it would happen as to be honest, I'm a Thunder fan. Um, but I, you know, I, I guess it's all right. I mean, it's, we only have three games to go off of and I guess it's working just fine. The Thunder are three and oh, um, you have to sign these extensions by midnight tonight, like you suggested, Nick. Um, but to say that a backcourt of Westbrook and Oladipo is going to be one of the better backcourts in the league or the, one of the more harmonious backcourts in the league. I don't know if I'm ready to say that, but it sounds like the Thunder are hoping that's going to happen with this extension. Yeah, $84 million is what Oladipo is getting over four years, so uh, a discount, I think. Um, I, do, I, I do think that. That's why I think they did it. Like, you know, we don't know. What, this, there are only three games in, basically, of the Westbrook-Oladipo backcourt, so, you know, from our perspective, I think it's hard to say, like, you know, they're sold on them now. I think this is just kind of how the deadline falls. Like, ideally, if the deadline was in, like, you know, February, they would love to wait and see what they have, but what basically what's happening is I think they're kind of betting, like, this is going to work, all right? You know, like... We're 3-0. Obviously, they've seen these guys work together in practices during the preseason a lot more than we have, uh, you know, where we just kind of have this three-game sample. So, I mean, this is a good sign, I think, for the Thunder going forward. This is a smart organization, uh, an organization that makes these kind of decisions with conviction and doesn't just throw money around. So, you know, $84 million is a lot, uh, but at the same time, I think that could end up being kind of a value deal when we look back uh, in a few years. Um you know, the, the, basically, what you're trying to avoid is if you don't sign these guys now, they're you know restricted free agents, but you got to match an offer sheet. So if someone could throw 110 you know million dollars at Oladipo, and if you want him back at that time, 
all of a sudden you're paying you know twenty six million dollars more than you Which thought. Which is so. exactly what happened with Cantor and Portland. Right. Portland necessarily didn't need Cantor or want Cantor, but they wanted to make sure that the Thunder paid an appropriate exactly. price for him. Right, exactly, and, and you know it's a shrewd move by Portland to do that. Um, you know, I, I think it's a stretch to say like they didn't want Cantor because like obviously they had to know that there's a chance that that was where sure. he's going to wind up. But yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting way for teams to kind of you know, backhandedly maybe, you know, in some ways, like, knock a competitor. You know, if you're Portland, that was like, okay, well, you know, they get Cantor back. He's a good player. We like him. They like him. But now they don't have this, you know, X amount of money that they could have used to get a little bit better down the road. So, um, I mean, none of these are really unexpected at all, any of these deals. You know, if you're an NBA fan, you know the caliber of these players, and it, it sounds about right value-wise. Uh, but in the, it's, it's still kind of the hangover period from this summer where these contracts probably seem a little higher you know, than they would have just just because of how you know the TV money has gone up. Yeah, I mean the 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 amount of players making at least twenty million dollars of more uh, just two years ago was was very very thin, mm-hmm. and um, and so to see you know just your Victor Oladipo being what, like a third option or a second option right. on a team making that much money is pretty outstanding. I do think that it is a value contract. Well, but look it, at look at it as a comparison, like John Wall in twenty thirteen. So I mean, three years ago already, he signed a five year eighty million dollar extension. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's crazy. That's nothing compared to this. It's it's really unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah. Talk about contention potentially mm-hmm. there with Bradley Beal's new deal and Bradley Beal making a lot more money than John Wall is. They don't already like each other to begin with, so that I think they're getting better from what I've heard. Oh, remember they didn't. I, I, I take recently. it all back. They just had tendencies of right. disliking each other. They had a tendency to dislike. Yeah. You know, um, we had a whole podcast on. We that. We did analyzing semantics in those. Uh, right. Let's talk about what we've liked so far, and we'll get to some things we dislike as well. Um, I don't want to structure this too rigidly. If whatever comes up, comes up, but. Uh, the first thing you have here, Kawhi Leonard becoming a legitimate threat on offense. And I, I don't think you mean that he wasn't a legitimate threat before, but I mean, we're a few games into the season and there's Kawhi Leonard has gotten noticeably more aggressive and noticeably better offensively. And it's, it's, there's not a lot of players you can say that about this early in the season. Last year, Kawhi Leonard scored at least 30 points um, four times last yeah. season. In the very first two games this year, he did it twice. So boom, I mean, he's obviously way ahead of the mark there. What I'm seeing from him is, you know, taking extended jumpers, taking elbow jumpers, and I don't know that I've I've seen that. And m- maybe what more I'm more so I'm saying is taking those jumpers with confidence and looking to take those and demanding the ball and getting them. I don't think Kawhi Leonard is somebody that we looked at at any point in his career. I mean, I know he scored 21 points per game last year, um, but right now he's averaging 28 after these first four games, and I don't think that, you know, it's going dri- to fall too much from that. I think he's one of the better scorers. Like, if you need a bucket, go to Kawhi. Not only can he get it, but he's demanding the ball. He should be the one taking it over, even like somebody like LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, so I think that he's just moved up in echelon or, you know, another level of the pyramid in terms of when you, when you start having these conversations, who are the best offensive players in the league, I think we need to start including Kawhi Leonard in those discussions. I don't think we've ever been including him previously. I think he's been so good defensively that you kind of just assume that his offense, you know, can't match that kind of level. And, you know, I, I don't know it can, that it can, but that just speaks to how good he is on D. So I, I think now you're starting to see Kawhi Leonard as more of a complete player and not just a really good defender who also gives you something on offense. I mean, this is a legit, you know, top five player probably if you if you factor in yeah. defense in the entire league, not just at his position, not just in the Western Conference. Um, and it helps. You know, I mean, we saw Ginobili and Parker have already rested for a game. Uh, you know, they're putting the ball in Kawhi's hands more often. 
Tony Parker has been really bad in, in the three games that he's played so far. Uh, so a lot, you know, part of it I think is with Duncan gone, I, I think maybe this starts to feel a little more like Kawhi's team. And, yeah. you know, granted, you still have some veterans there, and this is in some ways kind of Pop's team or the organization's team. You know, it's never been about one guy with the Spurs, but you got to wonder if maybe Kawhi's, you know, finally reaching that point in his career where Pop's been able to talk him into, like, just, you know, be you, be the alpha dog for this team. And that's kind of a scary thought for the rest of the league because Kawhi's still really young. All right, what's something that you like so far after, you know, teams have played two to four games so far? I've liked, I've liked quite a bit. Um, like I said, I just like having basketball on TV. Yes. That's a big plus. Um, but, you know, if we want to get more specific, I like that Golden State's been tested already. Tested I or tested. figuring themselves out? Well, both, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they've beaten two bad teams unconvincingly. They got, you know, stomped at home on opening night. Uh, I mean, it, this would have been a, this is going to be a fun season no matter what happens to Golden State. I guess you know I'm not a Golden State fan, so maybe it's easy for me to say. But from an outside perspective, like whatever happens with this team is great. If they go, if they run off, you know, 78 wins, it's an awesome story. If they completely collapse and win 65 games, that's also an awesome story. Um, yeah, complete collapse of 65 wins says the <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks supporter. Um, but it's just fun. I think it's already. They've already been tested more like in this first half of the season than I thought they would altogether. I mean, they the defense has been rough. The turnovers have been bad. Um, I mean, Draymond Green looked broken for a lot of that game uh, against New Orleans. Um, still, you know, the numbers have looked okay for all the big four, and it's been interesting to see. Like Curry and Durant seem to be playing off each other really well. I mean, they're both you know, off to huge starts. Clay's three of twenty one from three right now through three games. Draymond uh, can't shoot the ball seemingly anymore. I don't know what he's some kind of yips, I think. But he's also averaging like 12 rebounds a game and eight assists and like three steals and doing everything else that Draymond does. Yeah. So right off the bat, we, you know, we talked about like who's going to sacrifice? Who's going to sacrifice? Like, some, you know, they're going to be a very good team. But in terms of numbers, like something has to go down. And immediately it seems like Draymond's points are going to go down. Although you, you mentioned, and, and rightly so, it might just be because his, he's been shooting so poorly. Right. He's I don't had think... lots of open looks, and he's just yeah. clanked them. That's the, yeah, that's what I was going to say about, about both these guys. I'm sorry to interrupt, but, like, I mean, the Warriors have scored. I'm trying to bring up their team page here. Like, they've, they've gotten, you know, over 100 points in all three games, and they barely got to 100 against the Spurs. But, I mean, that was just a fluky shooting performance and a great defensive performance uh, all around by San Antonio. Um, but you know, I mean, they've they've kind of been able to just outscore the Pelicans and the Suns because their defense has been so shaky, and they're doing that. You know, like we just said, with Clay going three of twenty one from three, uh, and you know, Draymond struggling from the field uh, as well. What is he on the season? Three of eleven. So I mean, like, if you just say like, okay, let's say Draymond makes three more of those, and Clay makes like, you know, seven more, which for him is like right where he should be. Neither of those games are probably all that close. You know, one or two of them probably come in the middle of a run when they're maybe putting the game away. Like, they're going to be fine. And the fact that Durant and Curry are both putting up MVP caliber numbers, Thompson and Green, like, it's not like their workload is reduced. Like, Thompson's playing four more minutes per game than he was last year. And again, small sample size. He's taking just as many shots as he was last year. Draymond, same thing. Uh, it's just a matter of them going in. Like, if, if Draymond and Clay play up to their potential, for Clay, it's just missing open shots. If he hits some of those, this team probably looks like they're in a lot better shape than they really are. So to me, the Warriors don't look like they're having trouble figuring each other out. They're just having trouble making shots. That's fair. And all the games I've watched, which has been all of them, they've, they've had trouble yeah. making shots. And you think, 
you know, that, that was kind of the knock on them last year. It's like, well, they're a jump shooting team, and at some point that might fall out, and that's more so coming to fruition this year. Yeah. But, you know, I think that that argument is is uh, mitigated because these shots this year are all open shots as opposed to, like, shooting them in defenders' faces. Now, here's the thing, Nick, why I interrupted you when you first started out and talking about, you know, you, you like that they're being tested. Now, tested is an operative word here because they've they, they got stomped, like you said, by the Spurs. The other two teams they've faced, the Pelicans and the Suns, they have a combined record of 0-6. They're bottom feeders in the Western Conference. So when you say tested, do you mean that these two teams, like, really played way above their heads and gave them a good game? Or when you say tested, do you mean that the Warriors are already starting to – they need to figure out some of the kinks that they've got going on in their own offense? Because to me, I can't wait until they play somebody like a, you know, a Rockets team or a Trailblazers team, a, a really good team, and see, you know, are they right on par with some of these middle playoff teams oh. in the West or – or otherwise, I think in some ways they're lucky that they've played the Pelicans and the Suns back to back. For because sure, because play, those were close games. If you play that game that the Warriors played in either of those uh, matchups against Portland or the Clippers or the Spurs, you probably lose. And like, imagine if they were zero and three right now. Like they're not that far from being zero and three. But at the same time, this is professional sports, and you can't expect to just roll over everybody uh, all the time. But the other side of that is that's pretty much what the Warriors did to open last season. So. Uh, I mean, they're two and one. The, the freaking out is is not really, you know, it's unjust. But you look at the schedule coming up. They're in Portland on Tuesday. That'll be a test. I mean, that's going to be an awesome, awesome game. Yes. And then they're home against OKC on Thursday. That's a three and zero Thunder team that hasn't looked overly impressive as a team uh, quite yet. In LA on Friday, that's going to be a crazy game against the Lakers. They get the Pelicans again, Dallas again, like. It, things are like every game you can kind of come up with some storyline like every single game this team plays is going to be really fun really interesting and I'm just glad that we've gotten three close ones already yeah I agree it, it's been it's way more exciting and I think when they lost to the Spurs in the opener you and I talked here in the office and he said you know what in terms of like being excited about the season ahead that was probably the best thing that could have happened for just getting you know you and I and probably a lot of people out, out there just like jacked you know right. let's get the honeymoon stage like over they already look more mortal than i expected right know? and and that's and fun yet. that's fun for you and i cuz right. we love breaking everything down for warriors fans you might be thinking oh my gosh you know like oh, that'll be fine uh, but anyway let's jump into another thing that i like since you somewhat segued uh this thursday the thunder will be facing the warriors and you know you said maybe uh you know the 3-0 start is a little soft 3-0, and that's fair. Um, but that's something that I like, is that the Thunder are off to a good start. I think it's good for the NBA if a Russell Westbrook-led team is actually fighting for playoff contention and, and jockeying for seeding, especially when this game against the Warriors comes around. Because, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, even later on in the season, if the Thunder are, you know, a middle team in the West and they're really struggling for playoff relevancy. I don't know if that's good in terms of Russell Westbrook getting revenge and that revenge narrative. Um, if it's, you know, like a very average Thunder team going up against an amazing Warriors team. So the fact that that gap has been shortened quite a bit since the preseason, I think is good. And I like that overall that, you know, you know, we're, we have a, a budding, it already is one of the better rivalries in the NBA. And now it's maybe even better, believe it or not, um, because of last year and because of the, 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 the changing of personnel. So I think, I think it's good for the NBA that the Thunder is off to a good start, and I think it's good for the NBA if they continue to be good. And if we saw a potential playoff matchup between these two teams, I think that would be worldly. Yeah, I think it's definitely good for the NBA that the Thunder are playing well, just specifically from their marketing Russell Westbrook and marketing this rivalry standpoint. 
Uh, but things are going to get tougher. I mean, they've opened up with three of probably the five worst teams in the NBA, and they've beaten those teams by a combined what thirteen points. One of them going yeah, to overtime. But, you just, but but Nick, you just you just use the same no, argument different, back to back in different ways for the Warriors and the Thunder. Yeah, I mean, the, these are they won all these games. Yeah, they're good wins, but they could lose their next six. You know, at the Clippers, at the Warriors, Timberwolves, Heat, Raptors, Clippers. Like I don't, I mean, I don't feel like super great about any of those. Like they're like the twentieth best offense right now. Uh, the defense has actually been really good. The pace has been really good, um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I just, it's like I've said the whole time. Like I just wonder if I want Russ to do this every night. I, you know, I, it's rare that a player, like he's doing exactly what we expected so far. It's rare that like somebody lives up to expectations, especially when the expectations are average a triple double and shoot forty times a game. Like Russ <laughs> is pretty much doing that right now. And I just, I just hope he can keep it up because at least until Thursday, uh, that is going to be. If that game was in OKC, that's the only way it could be more exciting. And unfortunately, I think we have to wait until like January. Yeah, for, it's, it's way off for Golden State to come to OKC. Um, yeah, oh, is it February even? I think I, it's February. Think, yeah, February eleventh yeah. is what I'm seeing here. That, that's not great. Uh, but still, I mean, this is going to be incredible. Right. Um, another thing that I like, um, we're going to talk about that later on. And as the season goes along, I hope, and I'm sure Joel Embiid, he's legit, man. I like he's it. He's got the highest usage rate in the league. Yeah. Highest usage rate in the league, two games under his belt going into each game. They've kind of capped his minutes, but I mean, 22 minutes against Oklahoma city in the owner opener, 20.7 rebounds next game in Atlanta, only 15 minutes, 14 points. He's really good. And you know what I actually saw, uh, Nick out of Embiid is, in that game against Atlanta, Embiid and Okafor played on the court together a little bit. Obviously, yeah. they're both on minute restrictions, so you couldn't do it a lot. What I saw was Embiid giving good help side defense to Okafor in a way that was just as good as Nerlens Noel. And what we've seen out of Embiid so far is that Embiid is a better offensive player than Nerlens Noel. What I'm getting oh, yeah. at here is... I think Nerlens Noel is the odd man out in this situation and that we're looking at trade talks. I think Embiid has already proven just in these short 37 minutes on the court while playing alongside Okafor a little bit that that combo might be the best combo for the 76ers moving forward. I still think it's Embiid and Noel just because like if you can have two plus defenders instead of, you know, one plus defender and one like serious minus defender I think you still want to go that route uh but yeah they have looked okay together I mean the Sixers got blown out on Sunday um but you know it's pretty easy to forget that this is still the Sixers you know their their best prospect unless you want to count Embiid as that is not on the court for them right now and Ben Simmons their backcourt is still just kind of a weird mixture of foreign men and (laughs) middle-aged guys and TJ McConnell um but but yeah, I mean Embiid's Embiid's been awesome. Like just the he hasn't even like played all that well for being realistic, you know, considering the usage and whatnot. But like the fact that he already views himself as like a superstar and like like I was watching the end of that game against OKC, and he's like you never see a team dump it down to their center for a crunch time basket. You know, it's always some sort of isolation kick. You know, no, it's just, it feed Embiid and let him go to work one on one. And like it's just cool because there really aren't other centers in the league that operate like that you know like the the best centers in the league now are your deandre jordan types they're like defense first 
rim protector type of guys. Like those are the valuable centers, and for good reason. There aren't that many centers in the league that you can There's rely two. on. There's two. There's Al Jefferson down. and Greg Monroe. Well, right, neither of those guys even start. Right, and but I mean, and those are the last of a dying age. It seems yeah, like but I mean, like it's better than those guys. Right, and bring it back. It's per thirty six numbers, Nick. Let's let's just gush about this because this is fun. It's okay. per thirty six numbers. Thirty two points per game. Nine rebounds. An assist. A steal. Four blocks and two three pointers. Come on, I mean, I, I think we're at the point where, I mean, we we've talked about this so much, Nick. We've been waiting for this for so long, waiting, 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 and we're at the point. And within two games, I think I'm already sold that they're keeping him. They should keep him. Yeah, of course. No way should you trade him. So I'm I'm already looking ahead at who should they trade. It seems like it's going to be Okafor Noel. Yeah, it was I'm, never going to be Embiid. I don't know. I think. We talked about it like maybe it could be. Like if you showcased him a little bit and he played solid, maybe there'd be a market out there for him. Like somebody like Sacramento, he's way surpassed any yeah, any kind of thing that we, we presented in the past. Like he's he's not untradeable from like a practical perspective, but he kind of is because of like one, the PR hit, and then there's like the the nightmare potential of like he just turns into the best player in the league in three years and you're you're the team that traded Embiid, you know, like right. Like right now, if you if Sacramento was like, all right, give us you know Embiid, a couple filler players for Cousins, like Philly should do that deal, but I don't know that they would because it's like you can't just you, that would be, that would have been like the Knicks like flipping Jeremy Lin at the peak of insanity. Like you just you just like can't even though you should. Wow, we're already comparing Linsanity to that's what it feels like, really. That's what it that's what it's closer to to me than anything else. Here's the here's one of the major reasons why I think that they can't trade NBA and you're not gonna find it anywhere on the stat sheet. That game against Atlanta Nick, every time he touched the ball, every time he went to the free throw line, they were chanting, Trust the process, trust the process. Or MVP. Yeah, or MVP. And I think the city is in love with him. I think they were ready to explode, assuming that he would be a legitimate player because off the court, he's an engaging guy. He's a likable guy. A lot of people have said he's one of the best interviews in the league already. I think the city is in love with him. He's in love with playing there. He loves everything that's going on. He likes where he's at. I think he's untradeable for that reason alone, not to mention that he's their best front court option. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be fun. And like the Sixers are gonna be really fun to watch this year, even though they might not win twenty games. Uh, the Nuggets throwbacks. I just have a list here. I'll, I'll read a couple. Uh, that was something I really really liked. Uh, they wore those against Portland the other night. I think that was Saturday night, and those were gorgeous. And the Nuggets might have the worst primary uniforms in the league. I think they should be. They're one of like several teams who should just go all all throwbacks all the time. They have so many good throwbacks. Moutier said that he was gonna steal it from the. Uh the equipment manager at the end of the game. Somebody needs to follow up with him if they haven't already. Yes. See if he actually did that. I would have Those done are it awesome. too. Yeah. Um, Boogie Cousins. The Kings are 2-1. and one. The Kings look way better than I thought they would. Um, they seem like they're having fun. Like Rudy Gay, who basically openly said he didn't want to play for the team, like was playing really well. Very well, yeah. Boogie's averaging 30-11. and 11. He played, what, 25 minutes in the opener or something. They, they absolutely annihilated. Phoenix looked really bad. We'll talk about them in a little bit, but like, them and the Magic, I they're, those are the two most like uninspiring teams that yeah. I've seen. Ty Lawson playing very well. Ty he Lawson, might, he might take over the starting guy. point guard yeah. cho- job over Darren Collison. Yeah, what a what a cast of characters there at that, that point guard. I, I don't think he will. I mean, once Collison's back, that's probably his job. But Boogie's gotten to the line forty six times in three games. He's taken forty eight field goals and forty six free throws. That's, That's obscene. Yeah, th- he, and he should be because he is one of those guys that you mm-hmm. dump it down to and he goes to work like yeah. we were talking about before. Oh, He's probably this, the best of everybody. Speaking of Westbrook earlier uh, and shot attempts, second all-time in terms of combined 
uh, free throws and field goal attempts in a game. Kobe and David Robinson are the only two to have more. I think they combined for four, 66 shots, and Westbrook got to, what, f- 64? 44 field goals, 20 free throw attempts. Goodness gracious. Crazy. Harden is the only other guy I think that could maybe get there. How? What's your over-under number of times Russ attempts 40 shots in a game this year? I'll set it at f- uh, four and a half. Over? You think so? Yeah. I thought you were going to go be, higher than that. Uh, there's only been a handful of those games – in the last like twenty years, there's only been like fifteen total. Well, here's the thing: like, like, like you said, this road is not going to get easy any easier for the Thunder. I think they'll be vying for playoff position, and mm-hmm. as the games become more important, I think his shot yeah. count is going to go high. I tweeted get this high. out the other night, but the uh, the last thirteen players, I don't know why I stopped at thirteen. Basically, because that's when Kobe stopped being off the list, and this is what kind of made made the tweet interesting. It's the last thirteen players to take forty shots in a game, beginning with Russ on Saturday, Russ or Friday, right? Russ, Kobe, Russ, Kobe, 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 Zach Randolph, Kobe, 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 Kobe. Wow. Like Zach Randolph just snuck in there with a quick 40, 40 shots one night in the middle of like 2012. Let's talk about Zach Randolph. I've got him here yeah. on things I like so far. Six man of the year. The guy is killing it. He's assuming his role off the bench. He's eating it up. Are, is Memphis doing all right? I mean, I guess two and one. That's yeah, kind of no, what you're doing. Fine. They, beat, they were down on opening night on Wednesday. They were down 20 to four against the Timberwolves. I was watching that game and excitedly texting James about how great the T-Wolves looked and they were hitting everything. And Towns Towns had like 12 points in the first half or in the first half of the first quarter. Uh, And then Memphis just like slowly chipped away and ended up pulling it out at home. Like they look fine. I I mean, this is without Parsons. I mean, once he's back, they're going to be – I think they're going to be just fine. I mean, Marcus Saul's already taken like 11 more threes this year than he did all of last year. He's 6 of 13 from beyond the arc. Randolph is stepping out and hitting more. He's on pace to attempt like 100 threes. Uh, I think Fisdale, at least early on, has kind of found a nice medium between, all right, we don't want to completely abandon the grit and grind stuff that you guys are used to, but we need to modernize this offense a little bit, and he seems to have done that. Yep, he he perfectly has done that. Obviously, Randolph is... Right now he's producing at a rate I don't know if he can sustain, but, I mean, his numbers, he's playing less minutes than he did last year, and he's producing more so than he was last year. And so I think this role has really motivated him. As long as he continues to embrace it, I think his numbers show that he is. Um, Six-man-of-the-year candidate. I like it a lot. Yeah, I I think he was, you know, it's always tough to tell with a guy like Randolph, you know, who I, I think you kind of feel like you know as a, you know, as an as an outsider as we are, but... He, like I don't know. I didn't think I would, he didn't seem like somebody to me who would be cool with coming off the bench. And then he seems like yeah. he's totally fine with that. But, but you look, I mean, he's still playing 24 minutes a game. It's not like they're asking him to take a huge step back. Last year, he averaged 30 minutes a game on 68 games. The one thing I do wonder, too, is that is he playing like this hard to prove that he should be back in the starting lineup? Is, I don't think so. Well, he, like I think, you said, you never I think know he's with fine somebody with it. Like I him. think, I mean, they, they're, you know, it's Jermichael Green is starting over him. I, I think it's, it's understood that. You know he's 35 years old, but he just he seems to be rational about it at least. Uh, but I'm more encouraged by Gasol. Uh, hasn't shot it all that well from the field yet, uh, but I mean obviously that'll come for a guy who's a, a career 50% shooter. He's down at 39% through three games. Uh, but the three-point shooting, I mean, all, like I said, already attempting you know over four threes per game, uh, and that's that's just huge, huge value if you're talking fantasy uh, from that center spot. Uh, what else? Anthony Davis. I haven't even mentioned him. I've talked, you know, like I said, I've been on a couple pods today. I've not mentioned Anthony Davis once. Uh, Don't want to. That's probably it. because the Pelicans are the Pelicans, but he's back. I mean, he 
there was talk that you know this was Town. Towns was kind of the new Davis. He was taking the throne as the league's best young big man. Like Towns has been disappointing through, and they've only play, I think the T Wolves only played two games. So you know whatever, he'll be fine. But I mean Davis is on a mission, and I, I don't use that term lightly. <laughs> the last time out, he he only got you eighteen points and five rebounds, but he still chipped in with three blocks. That was against the Spurs in San Antonio, willing to give him the pass. He's back, but I'm going to remain quiet because that was the second night of a back to back. He's yeah, good, dude. He's 23 years old, and if you're going to say he's one of the best players in the league, you can't give him excuses like so, well, second no, night of I the back like, back to put up eighteen on the Spurs. I mean, I don't, it's the Spurs. Okay, I, I know it's it's fine. I just like we all know what the te- we all know what the marker yeah. for if he has a good season or not. It doesn't come down to it's on the play court. There's nobody out there saying that he wasn't legitimate on the court. You're looking at games played and you're saying yeah. he he just doesn't do enough over the course of a season to help a team win. And so uh, I mean, let's have this conversation in another 79, 78 games. He's already at point seven win shares, which is you know if you're into that kind of crazy for three games. Thirty eight point four per that leads the league again through a week. Uh, but yeah, Davis, I love that he's he's just like not passing the ball, which is awesome because there's no one on the team he should really be passing to. Like thirty eight percent usage from uh, forward slash center is pretty insane. Uh, but yeah, he's just like he's just catching and firing basically wherever he's at. Like if you, even if like somebody will kick it to him on like a. 19 foot baseline shot and it's like you should probably back it out and reset it's like no i'm just gonna take this and he's making it for the for the most part so that's been fun uh, i'm glad he kind of has that same mindset that everybody hoped he would of look who's on your team just shoot it like even you taking a contested fallaway three is better than solomon hill taking a wide open three i agree again though they're zero and three like you like you they started are. this conversation now it's, it's frustrating it's just, he doesn't do enough to win, but I, I agree that they don't have a lot of players around him. I still yeah. think that other players around – see, we keep coming back to this argument, and I just want to set the parameters I think you're one right. more time here. Is that, like, if you take five other guys on this exact team, I don't think they're 0-3. I think they would have found a way to win one or two games. And so, no, therefore, I don't think Anthony Davis is one of the top five best players in the league because if you do the switcheroo, I think this I team know, has a different like... record. Yeah, okay, so if LeBron's on this team in place of Davis, they're like 1-2 and two or 2-1. Two and one. Same probably goes for Curry. Kevin Durant, Same Curry. goes for Durant. I would even say maybe somebody Those like... Those are all a, wing guys, though. Like, is there another big man who could, who could like, win this team three games? I don't think there is. But we're touting Davis in that sure. echelon. I, I'd... I mean, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I just think maybe we're past the the time when a center can carry a team or a big man like this can carry a team single-handedly. Like, all these guys we're mentioning are wings or guards. So, therefore, that's a knock on his value sure. because the NBA is trending differently. So, either way you look at it, he's still yeah, not one I mean, of the better – I mean – I'm not arguing that he's better than Curry, Durant, or LeBron, or Leonard. Like, after that, though, you start getting into, like – pretty murky territory like okay yeah. you can put Harden ahead of him but like then after that like it, you make a pretty hard case to say that there's anyone else who could win this team any of these games I agree like if you put a Blake Griffin on this team they're they're probably still 0-3 oh, yeah. but if you put like seven or eight other guys on this team playing different obvi- obviously they maybe, play other yeah. positions like a Harden is going to go out there maybe a Westbrook wills you to a win I'm just trying the main point of my argument is yeah exactly is that maybe even a Draymond Green though that's the thing so mm-hmm. my, my main point is he doesn't get you the W's, and so it doesn't matter if it's because of his position or not. Anthony Davis does not no. help a team he, win basketball games like other players do he, in this league right now. He's not enough of a distributor, that's right. I mean, you can basically you can say, like, all right, he can give you 45 and 20, but at the end of the day, that might not be enough. I mean, if, you're not, if you can't go through him to create shots for others, like the, what, what made LeBron so good with those Cavs teams was that 
it's like you know Booby Gibson didn't suddenly become great you know once he once he went to the Cavs he became a really good role player because he was getting fed wide open passes you know wide right in the pocket for wide open threes like a lot of NBA players can knock down open shots uh, you know when they're there he had never been in a position where he was able to do that like Davis doesn't yet have that ability I don't know if he'll ever have the ability to facilitate an entire offense and also be the best scorer and also be the best rebounder and the best defender and like there's a reason there's only like three or four players in the league that really can do that eight assists over three games and yeah. and more so the assist, than, the assist totals are low too right low. for somebody of his caliber where i mean the opposing team should absolutely collapse like send three players on and you they kind of do yeah and they already do he needs to find a way to i mean you got to make the players around you better and that's something he doesn't do therefore when we have this conversation about who would you like to start your franchise with today I think a lot of people are sliding on Anthony Davis for good reason mm-hmm. even when he does put up ridiculous box scores like yeah. this it really doesn't matter because they lost all three of these games yeah I mean the other argument is like if he had even like decent teammates like not even good teammates like right. they're probably that's two true. and one and like, that's true whatever um all right things we don't like so far uh Nick Young starting for the Lakers I see you have here I mean I'm with you on that that's been fun but uh not probably the best decision for them uh let's see yeah resting uh we touched on the Spurs they're already resting some guys like Brooke Lopez you know if we if we want to get into some uncharted territory and talk fantasy on this podcast uh (laughs) yeah that's not that's not great but uh, but again if you're the Nets it's understandable you know this is like as a you know basketball person you're like oh okay wow they understand that this isn't their year, and it's maybe not best to strain their only franchise player. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There's no reason for him to be playing yeah. a full 82 game. But if you're a fantasy owner, it's like, come on. Well, yeah, a fantasy owner, of course. But you know what? If you're a fantasy owner as well, and you would have listened to a couple of things I said, you would be looking at somebody Ooh. like Jordan Hamilton, who mm-hmm. is one of the Justin top. Hamilton. Justin Hamilton. You'd be looking maybe at. Maybe Justin Hamilton. Yeah, maybe. Justin Hamilton, Jordan Hamilton. Uh, jo- <laughs> Drastically different players. Yeah, I just this this take was so hot. I forgot his first name. Uh, but Justin Hamilton is a top thirty fantasy player so far this year, coming off the bench in limited minutes. And so you know it goes one way and it goes another way as well because you're giving somebody who is a great per thirty six guys yeah. more opportunities. If you're the Nets, though, not only for your franchise and if you decide to trade him away, does it make sense to to play him more than sixty five games this year? Because if you do have the goal in mind to trade him at some point down the year to a contender or somebody who's in middle of the road, even uh, he needs to stay healthy. He needs to look good, and so there's just no reason. It's I mean it's I, I, what's I mean what's a good comparison? It's like buying a car and you you know you're only going to use it. I, I don't even want to come up with a no, comparison. Keep going. I want to see where that was <laughs> going. I want to see where that was going. All go. right, let's. All right, I'll I'll dive into this. It's the first time. It's like buying a car that you know you're not going to need and for another three years, but you should just let it sit in your garage. Well, who does that? Uh, How much money I don't do you know. have? It was a, just a crap crap metaphor. Crap crap metaphor. Uh, yeah, I, the amount of cars that I have sitting in my garage that I'm just waiting to drive someday. I, I wish, need to go man. back to Jordan Hamilton talk. Yeah, Jordan Hamilton. Where is he these days? I I was such a big fan of his in college and. Ugh. Yeah. Um, we'll be back. So things we're concerned about: Brooke Lopez not getting, you know, getting rest. But we're not surprised. We're concerned about it, no, but we're not surprised. surprised. Uh, we talked about this Bulls team not shooting enough threes in the opener. They come out and just like it's an onslaught of threes from Wade, Rondo, and Butler. Second games they hold off. I think they combined for four in the second game. In the first game they combined for twelve or something like that and knocked down like eight or nine of them. So that that concern I had uh, in the preseason jumps right back. Although they did win that game so they're two and zero. um so i think what it comes down to nick with the bulls is they're a savvy team they're an old veteran 
cagey team. They know what they're doing. They know how to go out and, and implement a strategy, go out there, implement a game plan against a certain opponent, execute it. And so I think they can actually win a few different ways. If they need to shoot some threes, they prove they could do that in the opener. If they don't need to, it doesn't matter. They got the W. Yeah, uh, 2-0 start for the Bulls was was not what I was expecting. Um, I think they'll come back down to earth a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Butler... Wade Rondo trio at least seems to be working out okay. I mean, it hasn't been a complete disaster. Those guys seem to have kind of bought into the style of play that they know they need to use uh, for this to work. I mean, Wade taking six three pointers in two games is for him, you know, huge. Um, you know, I, Rondo just one of four, Butler eight, four of eight. Uh, but those, I mean, they need to kind of keep those attempts up, even if they're not making them. It's it's kind of like what we talked about with the Bucks a lot last year. It's like they were such a bad three point shooting team, but you at least have to be a threat. And, you know, these three guys, I think, are probably more than comfortable doing that. You know, Wade at this point in his career, has he's kind of always uh, flashed, pun intended, the ability to shoot threes when he needs to, usually in the playoffs. And, yeah. and now we're seeing it a little bit more. So, I mean, that was the big thing with this team. It's like no one's questioning the talent level and they, they have nice depth. You know, I don't think people aren't high on Fred Hoiberg, but he hasn't been a complete disaster either. Um, so if if this is somewhat of a revelation and they actually can shoot threes, then maybe we have to adjust our, our projections. Things we're concerned about so far. You have written here, Timberwolves might not win the title. Yeah, yeah. People were all in on the T-Wolves, man. This is maybe a 50-win team. This is their year. Uh, no. Only a few select people. Yeah, no. I mean, the T-Wolves are good. They're good. They're fun. They'll, they'll be good. They'll probably win close to 40 games, maybe more. But, like... Whoa. Temper expectations. Oh, no, you're already ready to say that they're going to win 40 games after I said starting maybe. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm just, I was kind of joking, obviously, by saying, you know, they might not win the title and being, oh, I know, being I negative know about that. it. But, like, 40 games is still a lot of games. They yeah. lost to the Kings, man. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, I think this is a team that, like, people are projecting maybe as high as, like, four or five in the West. And it's, it's just kind of another lesson in, like, these things take time. And again, it's, we're two games in. Maybe they win six of their next eight and, you know, they're totally fine. Uh, and that's completely in the cards with the talent level on this team. And, you know, once they figure out and get some real game experience, I think, with their defensive schemes, they'll be okay. But, it, you know, we got to see it happen first. Let me grab my soapbox real quick. And, all right, now that I'm on my soapbox. All right, I said this all along in the preseason, is that these are the games that the if the Timberwolves are going to be a 50-win team or they're going to be a 4-5 or five seed in the West – these are the games they have to win against the Kings. They lost by three. In one more year, having one more year of experience with the players they have and with Tibbs, that mutual relationship there, then they win this game. But in the first year of this coming together, it just this, these are the type of games they lose, and this is going to be the reason why they're not going to get over the hump. They're not going to come close to 50 games, and they're not going to make the playoffs this year. In 365 days, I'll, I'll you know probably speak a lot higher of them, but... It just doesn't happen that fast. Right. I think they get to like maybe where the Jazz were last year, and it won't be the same path because of all the right. injuries the Jazz had, where it's like the T-Wolves are going to be in this. I mean, they're going to be somewhere between like 6 and 10 in the West. I'm pretty confident. You know, it's a pretty big range. Um, you know, they're going to be contending for a playoff spot probably into April, but, you know, whether they get it or not, I, I just think, you know, a team like this that's still crazy, crazy young. I mean, the players that you're relying upon most on this team are what, like, 21, 21, and like 20? Is right. Levine 21? I don't know. Like guys like that. I mean, so there's still a little bit of ways away, and it's it's nothing to freak out about. I, my friend who's a big T Wolves guy was in shambles uh, after the, the, the loss on Wednesday. And it's like, you got 81 more games. You have three of the top like 20 assets under 25 in the league. 
Um, I, I think they'll be just fine in the long term. But again, short term, temporary expectations. Well, here's the thing, and I hate to go back to preseason stuff that I was right about because I was wrong about a lot of stuff too. But I'm not going to mention them unless anybody wants no. to call me out on it. But the thing that you know, we we did our like. Um, things to be concerned about for each team in each conference, right? And the Western Conference, for me, when we came to the Timberwolves, it was being too overhyped. And like like your friend, he's already crushed at their 0-2. But really, you know, this team is right on track that they were last right. season to still make a little bit of improvement. Like, they've actually shown a little bit more of improvement than they did last year, even though the record is 0-2. So this, like, all the hype, too much hype, was not good for them going into this year because they can still get better and make a big, giant step than they did from last season. And still, this season is going to seem like a disappointment because too many people were touting them for 50 wins or four five seed in the west and so they were automatically set up to fail yeah yeah and it, that's just kind of maybe on you know on us and the media as a whole i guess overhyping really young players uh other things i don't like quickly uh the bucks in general have looked about exactly as i expected Giannis looks really good doing everything for them Parker kind of having some trouble figuring out when to pick his spots i think he's only taken one or two threes on the year through three games uh Giannis has looked a little bit more comfortable with the jumper that the hesitation isn't quite there but he's still not knocking him down at a great rate uh but this team is still going to struggle to shoot they're still going to struggle to defend uh just just not a a well-constructed roster um what else Tony Snell should he be starting I, I'd much rather from an outsider's perspective has somebody uh, like Toledovich in there yeah Parker's attempted one three per game and on this particular team having the skill set that we thought he had he needs to be attempting more than that if he's not going to be doing that and we know Giannis is still like adding that to his game I think you need to be starting yeah. Mirza over Tony Snell and that's not happening yeah I mean the Bucks are kind of in an odd spot because like Jabari Parker is not a good defender at this point you know still um Giannis is a good defender but you know the way that that he plays one position on one end one on the other I think kind of messes with that a little bit when Greg Monroe's on the floor that's a minus at the the center spot like I think they're kind of choosing like all right do we want a, a good wing defender in Snell who can't play offense or do we want a good wing offensive player who can't play defense and it's like kind of pick your poison neither one probably helps you all that much overall like it's it's just, like I said, it's just a poorly constructed roster right now. Yeah. Let's talk about two 0-3 teams that maybe we didn't expect to be 0-3. Uh, Dallas and Orlando. I know you, you hit on Orlando a little bit. Let's start with them. I mean, when we talk Oof. about a very good coach, so like if you want to compare it to Minnesota, uh, but a new cast of characters, new coach, it takes a while to mesh. But I think you've already suggested they might be the worst team in the NBA. Yeah, I, I don't think they will be when it's all said and done. I mean, I shouldn't say the worst team. They've looked the worst out of okay. out of all the teams in the league right now. I mean, they're they're going to be better than the Nets. They're going to be better than Philly, the Lakers, et cetera. Um, but I mean, this this has been rough. They haven't even gotten to a hundred points. They're averaging like ninety two points through three games. Uh, this is a team that was five and twenty five last year when they didn't reach a hundred points. So no surprise uh, that they're zero and three. They've allowed a hundred points in all three of their games. Uh, Serge Ibaka did not look good defensively for at least two of those games and hasn't you know, been playing many minutes no the bench has been really rough I mean, they got five guys averaging at least you know 12 points per game uh the problem is three of those guys probably play the same position in Gordon Vucevic and Ibaka Jeff Green you know hasn't quite figured it out yet uh Biz you know has only two games under his belt after the suspension Hazonia has looked much the same as last year uh this team just isn't deep one especially in the backcourt uh and I think they added one too many forwards this offseason. It might end up 
coming back to haunt them a little bit. I agree. I mean, I will say they played the Heat, Pistons, Cavaliers. Pistons, Cavaliers, we would have given them the L to begin with. Heat maybe closer to Pistons a Pistons haven't looked great either, but yeah. Yeah, Heat maybe closer to a toss-up game. The next two or three games will be really important mm-hmm. for the Magic, playing the 76ers, the Kings, and the Wizards. Right now, you know, the Magic and Wizards, I'd probably put them on the same level. Um, so if you're looking just to be fair to myself, uh, Wizards are one of those teams that I touted pretty hard in the preseason. They have not looked that good at all. Um, so I was, definitely am wrong to begin with there. So that Magic Wizards game, I mean, that'll show a lot. Whoever wins or loses that game will, will essentially be at the bottom or close to the bottom. Uh, but this Dallas team, I think it's it's a little more fair with them to look at who they've played so far and say maybe their 0-3 record is a product of who they've played, not necessarily how they've done so far this year as a team. Yeah, I mean, they lose at the buzzer, basically, you know, with, with uh, against Houston the other night with James Harden uh, hitting a late free throw to win that game by one. I mean, they've been close. Harrison Barnes had a big game, and was it their first or second game? I think he went for 30-plus. That was second. encouraging um, after a disastrous preseason, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to wait and see. The Mavs have have certainly earned our trust, and Rick Carlisle has earned our trust, and they're they're a team that you obviously want to wait, you know, until you make any judgments on. But real quickly before we wrap up, uh, are there are there any teams? As I just kick over your water bottle, which I thought was uncovered at first, uh, are there any teams or players that you're, you know, openly already you know worried that you were way wrong about you know a week into the season? I know you mentioned Washington. Washington is going to be the big one for me. Um, because like I, I really like their starting five a lot. I still kind of do, but we noted earlier on the podcast there's just there's just problems. Your two best players don't even really like each other, so that's going to be tough to overcome. I think I'm really really wrong on the Wizards so far. Otherwise, you know, I thought the Heat were really going to struggle. They're one and two. I think they looked know, okay. Yeah, we're going to talk about them with Anthony Chang later on this week of the Palm Beach Post, and I you know we'll get we'll dig into that because. They're an interesting team. Like they could contend for a spot in the playoffs, but maybe they shouldn't. They looked awesome against Orlando on opening night, and that's what kind of was like, "Whoa, all right!" Like maybe this team is going to be good. And then I think now we're just like, "Okay, Orlando's just really bad." Same um, question to you. I think I was wrong on the Thunder. I didn't think the Thunder would come out three and zero. So that that's one. I mean, the Jazz should be better, but they're dealing with injuries. Otherwise, you know, I think the Wizards right now are, is going to be the team that's yeah. like, "Oh boy, I was a little too strong right. on them in the preseason." Otherwise, I think I need another week or two to see how my other yeah. you know soapbox picks pan out. Yeah, I mean the Kings have been surprising, like we said. Um, you know, I mean for the most I mean, part things have gone. About, I mean the Golden State loss is one thing. You know that was that was unexpected, uh, but still so so early in the year they're not really a disappointment. Uh, the Lakers looking winning on opening night was was interesting and looking like really competent doing it. But I think eventually that'll kind of even itself out. Bulls for you, Bulls yeah. and Knicks. You know we had on Kale Shenard, we had Eric Name. Those guys all seem to kind of say, you know, a combination of the Bulls or Knicks would be the most overrated team this year. And I think we somewhat agreed, although, you know, it's another case. So they got some veteran players. They can figure out how to win games. Yeah. And I think maybe the Bulls might be one that you and I need to take a step back on and say, well, they might be a little bit better than we thought. That's the thing with the Bulls is like, you know, you're throwing these three really good players together who don't match on paper, but they all have, they're all such such unique players in their own way. And like, 
you know, Butler, I guess, maybe to a slightly less degree. But, like, I mean, there's really not been a lot of players who are as successful as Dwayne Wade is without ever really being a great three-point shooter, you know, or even, like, a good three-point shooter. And Rondo is the only Rondo ever in the league, you know. to, to We've seen a lot of, you know, really good passing point guards who can't shoot. And, you know, most of them kind of flame out or they, they plateau at a certain point. Like, there haven't been many who have been able to adjust and become a really elite player the way that Rondo has and was, I guess, for, for a lot of his career in Boston. But, you know, like you said, if these this Bulls team is going to get into a lot of close games and it's like, all right, so maybe they're tied with the Nets with two minutes left or the Wizards or the Magic or the Pacers, like – that experience maybe does come in and offer more of a tie break in those type of scenarios than maybe than maybe I expected that it would. Yeah, but I think so. We, I mean, this is we should like really be tracking all of our predictions or statements because like in like two weeks the Bulls will have lost six in a <laughs> right. row and we'll, we'll just we'll be like like I said to begin the year this is not a good team like the amount of times I'm, we're probably going to waffle on the Bulls and the Knicks is going to be astounding. Last thing I'll say and I guess this is a fantasy tip although I'm not intending it to oh, be insider tip coming in. Uh, I snapped my fingers to do an alarm sound, but whatever. <laughs> uh, the Kings. <laughs> See, the sad thing is I knew exactly what you yes. meant. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, keep doing that. <laughs> Sorry, I should have used both my fingers to snap instead of just one. Uh, the Kings play five games starting from Halloween all the way back around to Sunday. So if you're in leagues, obviously, where you're going to set your lineup, I mean, fit somebody in there. Somebody like an Aaron Aflalo as opposed to somebody like a Nick Batum who only plays right. two games this week. That's actually a, a fair comparison. I'm actually sitting Batum like in favor of somebody. I mean, I, five I think games like, is a lot of games. Like even like, if you even if you have like five average games, that's still going to be probably much better than you're going to get out of a two game week, even some three game weeks. Yeah. So here here's what I was getting around to is that like somebody like Aflalo is is going to be more probably end up with better stats by the end of the week than somebody like even Nick Batum. That's to say is we're going to find out a lot about this Kings team. We said they've surprised us so far. They've got back-to-back today, tomorrow. They play on Thursday. They play back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. By the way, those are all away games. Atlanta, Miami, Orlando, Milwaukee, Toronto. The nice thing is they're all close. So they're all Eastern Conference road games. You know, they do the Florida tour. They kind of go up yeah. to Atlanta. I mean, it's not like they're traversing back and forth across the country, but still. If this team finds a way to win two of these five games – I think we're dealing with a Kings team that could compete they for should. an eight seed in the West. They should beat Orlando. They should probably lose to Toronto. They should beat Milwaukee. And then, you know, Miami and Atlanta Top. to me are kind of toss-ups. I think Miami's more so a toss-up than Atlanta. I think Atlanta should win. But here we're going to find out a lot about the Kings, and they're going to be more battle-tested than anybody else in the right. league. The Kings are the best player in all those games, which is nice. Uh, Yeah. They totally do. I totally agree. So that'll be fun to watch. So, so we'll actually be able to have, you know, some legitimate feedback on the mm-hmm. Kings in exactly one week. Can't necessarily say that about all the other teams in the league because, like you said, with the Bulls, they could go on a six-game losing streak and then be like, oh, yeah, this is kind of what we expected of them. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for today. We have on the podcast Wednesday. Wednesday, Anthony, Anthony Chang. Anthony Chang of the Palm Beach Post will be joining us. Looking forward to that. Uh, I have a lot of questions for him, and we've talked yes. to we've talked to a Nuggets writer, a Hawks writer, a Bucks writer, but I, I think I'm most excited for this guest just because I want to get information on what Hassan Whiteside does in his downtime. Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. 
How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.